long. Our passage this morning is going to be Psalm chapter 121, titled, My Help Comes from the Lord. Starting in verse 1. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. You can be seated. May we be blessed by the reading of God's word this morning. As I said earlier, we will be journeying journeying through what we'll call... um, Taste and see. Uh, Lift up your eyes. That's the series for this summer. We'll be looking at these uh, few chapters in the Psalms, the Psalms of Ascent. The Psalm of Ascent is uh, given to us by God, by God's people. Uh, You have to understand what these Psalms are all about. It's the largest collection of Psalms that are all together. There's other psalms that are together, but this is the largest of all the psalms that are collectively together, 15 chapters. Uh, And these psalms, one after another, uh, from chapter 120 all the way to chapter uh, 34, is about the people of God ascending back to Jerusalem. Uh, Remember, through our study through Nehemiah a few months ago, uh, through Daniel, remember the people of God had been in exile. And remember, they felt like and they said that Jerusalem was the Holy of Holies. That's where the presence of God dwelt was in Jerusalem. And so they would be dispersed all over uh, the the known world. And they would make a journey back to uh, several times a year to celebrate these great feasts. the, uh, The Feast of the Tabernacles, the Passover, all these huge places in their lives that had significance about their relationship with God. And they would do that in Jerusalem. They would journey to Jerusalem. I I believe in my theology, it was a foreshadow of what was going to happen in Jerusalem several thousand years later. Remember, uh, that's where Christ would ultimately come and do all his primary ministry and would die, would be outside the city of Jerusalem. I I believe it's a foreshadow for the people of God to see God was going to send a Savior to Jerusalem to save them. And so this, these 15 chapters are about when the people of God would come into Jerusalem from wherever they would to worship God. You have to understand Jerusalem was on this hill, so everywhere they'd come, they'd have to literally ascend the hill to get to Jerusalem to worship God. If you turn quickly to Luke chapter 15 or chapter 10 you'll understand maybe just maybe why they were worshiping in this way you remember this is the the story of the Samaritan the good Samaritan and so in Luke chapter uh, 10 it's very familiar but there's the very first verse uh, of this parable that says this it says this Jesus is talking when he gets challenged and he says a man was going Where? Down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he fell amongst robs who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. 
You see, the, the journey for them, you can turn back to uh, Psalms 121, the journey would always be treacherous. It's not like you and I walking from here uh, out on this main highway, even into to Nashville. It's pretty safe. But for them, it was a dangerous place to journey to Jerusalem. That's where the thieves and the robbers would hide. So when these men and women of God would journey with their possessions to worship God, they'd get robbed. And so here throughout these Psalms of Ascent are them crying out to God through their journey back to worship God. And so we see here in this chapter, we won't uh, study uh, this morning chapter 120, but here in chapter 121, it says this, I lift my eyes to the, to the hills. Where does my help come from? I can just imagine a, a family uh, singing this song of praise to God as they're terrified of what may l- be lurking in the darkness, in the caves as they journey. The dad would be up front leading the way, just singing out loud, where does our help come from? I lift my eyes. It's this song, this repetitive song that they're singing over and over and over again. And so where does their help come from? He says it in verse 2. Our help comes from the Lord, who's the maker of the heavens and the earth. So these songs, if you will, or these uh, chants, if you will, they were as a reassurance that God really was with them through the journey. That God really was going to show up and be with them as they made this ascent to worship him. That they would trust and that the God of the maker of heaven and earth as a reminder. Okay, I don't know if you've ever been on a journey or been in a, a fearful place. Mine's the dark. So anywhere in the dark, I've got to remind myself, okay, it's not that bad. And I've got to say it over and over and over and over again. It's like they're reassuring themselves. Anyone ever done that? Said the same thing over and over again. Like, okay, if I just say it enough, I'll believe it. That's what they were doing. That's what the, the people of God would do with these psalms. They would reassure themselves of who God was and what God could do. Not only that, not only was it a place of reassurance, but it was also a place of, of reminder. Like there's nothing more assuring than to re- be reminded, oh, it's, it's really not that bad. I was talking with Phil this week about uh, the church. He, he gives me a hard time. I go to Starbucks to study. He's like, I don't understand how you study and have a quiet time in Grand Central Station. And I told him, I said, because that place, the church in my office, it freaks me out. He said, what do you mean? I said, I don't know. There's creatures in the walls, and uh, I'm terrified that someone's going to come jump off out of the baptism one night when it's pitch black. Somebody told me that early on. I told them I was terrified of the dark, and they said, hey, one night I'm going to come over here and hide in the baptism. I was like, man, do not do that for your sake and my sake. I told you about the story that the one night where the flag freaked me out completely uh, about being, I literally thought I was a person standing in the corner. So now every time I come in here to lock up and I'm like, it's just a flag, it's just a flag, it's just a flag. I'll say it from the door all the way to the flag. Thank God it's a flag. Thank God it's a flag. But it's just a reminder, okay, it's really not that bad. And it's a reminder that it was really just the flag. And I know that's silly to say, but 
this is what they were doing. They were recounting all the great ways that God had delivered them in the past. And I wonder for us, church, in the 140 years that God's placed us here, how often do we remind ourselves of all that God has done and to reassure ourselves that God still has more for us to do? I believe that. And I believe that this fall, God wants to use us in some powerful ways. But I believe it's going to come through these psalms as a reminder and a reassurance that he can still do it. Because that's where it's going to start for us this morning. You see, where we start this morning will will dictate all of our lives, not just here at the church, but all of our lives. What does he say? He says, I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. There's a great theologian who wrote a book called uh, The Knowledge of the Holy. By a, it's by A.W. Tozer. If you ever get a chance, read the book. It's an incredible book. It's a small book. But what A.W. Tozer does is chapter by chapter by chapter takes the characters of God and writes a, a, a page or two about all the places that he sees the character of God. And this is how he starts his book. He says this, whatever comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So whatever you think about in this moment about God, you are saying to yourself, that's what's most important. And my hope for us this morning, we'll leave this place and we'll all be in agreement with one thing, who God really is. Because if we all agree on who God really is, that will take us as a church and catapult us to all that God wants us to do. But if all of us in this room have a different idea of who God is, then we'll leave here with different ideas of who God is and we'll take those ideas and spread them. And so my hope and my goal for us this morning is to walk away with saying, who is God for us, Pals Chapel? Who is God for us? And I want to say this, who God is and what this passage says is that God is more than just a helper. You would think that he'd go into the rest of this passage, verses three through eight, and talk about how God is our helper. But that's not what the psalmist does. What the psalmist does is say, no, God is not my helper. For the rest of the chapter, five times, he says what God is. Let's read the rest of the chapter and, and underline your Bible these five places. It says, where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. He, God, he will not let my feet be moved. He who keeps me will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will not slumber or sleep. Verse 5, the Lord is my keeper. The Lord is the shade of my right hand. The sun shall not, stri- shall not strike you by day nor the noon by the moon by night the lord keeps you from all evil he will keep your life the lord will keep you from your going out and your coming in from this day forth forevermore i, I want to say to us pals chapel this morning that god is way more than our helper he's our keeper you see if we just look at god as our helper then we come to god as our helper and what do we do we only come to god when we need help if all god is is our helper that's like tennyson helping me in the garden i don't really need her help 
she, it's an extra two set of hands to help me get the job done. But so often we come to God the same way. God, I have this plan in my life, and I need you to help me accomplish the plan. We ask him for assistance rather than us going to him to be kept by him. You, you see, if, if all it is is God is our keeper, then what, this is what one writer says. If we view God as keeper, we won't, we won't view him nearly as convenient in your time of need, but you'll view him as consistent in your time of need. Like God is not there conveniently. He's not a convenient store. Like that, that's, so, that's what is so convenient about convenience stores. A, they're everywhere. B, they're convenient. And you can get whatever you want in, in a 12 by 12 room. We go to God as in convenience. And yet the writer of Psalms says, no, God is way more than convenient. God is way more than your helper. God is your keeper. And I want to look at three things. How is God our keeper? The word keep is from the word shamar in Hebrew. It means to keep, to watch, to preserve. It's a military word. It's the word that a shepherd would would take uh, the the shepherd was the keeper of the sheep he was not the helper of the sheep though he did that he's the one that kept them from danger he's the one that kept them alive he's the one that kept them fed he they were dependent on him you see if god's our helper we have no dependence on god if god is our keeper we're totally dependent on god amen and so this morning would you say god is your helper or your keeper You see, it's how you answer that question in your life will set the trajectory of your life spiritually. Do you and I believe that we are totally dependent on God? Or we just need God to show up when we need God to show up? Or do we really believe that we're totally powerless over all things? Because if we really believe we're powerless over all things, then we need way more of a helper. We need a keeper. But if I believe I got some power and some control, then all I need is when things go awry, I need someone to help me. But if I really believe I'm powerless over all things, then I need someone to keep me when all things fall to pieces. And that's what the psalmist is saying. Where does my help come from? Because I really am powerless over all these things. If someone jumps out at me and attacks my family, I'm in big trouble. If someone robs me, I'm in trouble. So, yes, I need your help, Lord, but I need you to keep me safe, is what the psalmist and what the people of God were saying. So it's also a military word. Think of the military. I don't want helpers in the military. I want keepers in the military. What I'm saying by that is I want our military to keep us safe, not to help keep me safe. I, I don't have any guns in my house, so I need way more than help. I need someone to stand in my defense. What do we view God as this morning? Helper or keeper? Three things that we see in this passage, how God is our keeper. The first one, God is our security. He keeps us because he secures us. Verses 3 and 4. He says this, 
He will not let your feet be moved. He will keep you and will not slumber. Behold, he will keep Israel, will neither slumber. The one who keeps Israel neither slumber nor sleep. The first one is this. Two ways that God is our security. The first way place is he's our stability. What does he say in that first verse, verse 3? He will not let your foot, foot, foot be moved. I, I've never been to, I've been to California one time. Uh, I went to San Francisco. But uh, my friend lives in California. He would talk about all the times that he experienced earthquakes and how scary that was. I, I don't know. You and I aren't used to things being unstable under our feet. There's one thing here in Tennessee. We're pretty secure. We're not going to hit an earthquake. So we put our feet on the ground. We don't really have much fear that the, the earth's going to go out under us, correct? Well, he, in California, they'd get up, they'd hear about the earthquake, and things got real shaky real quick. They're not, we're not used to that. And what the psalmist is saying, God is our stability. Do we believe that this morning? That our feet are secure because he's the one that keeps us from stumbling. You and I cannot keep ourselves from stumbling. Look at your life. When you do not have God as your keeper, your life, my life, stumbles or falls to pieces pretty fast. And what the psalmist is saying as they're walking, and I imagine it was a, it was a, a gravel, rocky road. And so it, it wasn't paved roads. It was this gravel, rocky road. And I imagine their feet would stumble along the way. I went to Lake Radnor uh, on Friday with the guys from CPE. Um, I wore the wrong shoes. That was a bad idea. And I was stumbling all over the place. And I thought about this passage. Yet when I am kept by the Lord, my feet do not stumble. There is a security that I have with the Lord. Because I cannot keep myself from stumbling. But the Lord can. The second thing is this. Not only is he our stability, he's also our security or our watcher. Thank God for this. What does he say in verse 3b and 4? He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will not slumber or sleep. Three times in one and a half verses, he talks about sleeping. Thank the Lord. We have a God who never rests. We have a God who never takes a break he we have a god who doesn't have a shift change in the middle of the night we have one who is our security our ongoing watcher if you've ever put security system in your house it's pretty awesome we have a, a nanny a nanny cam in uh, cedar's room and so that eye is always on him and, and the other day uh, um we we put him down to bed and all of a sudden we hear like things going on in the room that ought not to be going on in the room. Like, we're like, how's all that racket coming from him in his crib where he didn't have a lot of things in his crib? Well, I got blamed for it. Jenny said, you, you put more stuff in the crib? I said, no, but let's turn on nanny cam. That brother had climbed out of the crib and was throwing stuff all over the place, but we had an eye on him. And I know that's a silly story, but the same is true for us. God is always watching over us as our protector he's always looking out for us he never sleeps he never slumbers here's what one writer spurgeon says an old baptist preacher says this how delightful to think 
that no form of unconsciousness ever steals over him. Neither the deep slumber nor the light sleep. He will never suffer the house be broken up by the silent thief. He is ever on the watch. He speedily perceives every intruder. Did you catch that? Like there's no chance that any intruder can break into our hearts because God is always watching over us. He is our keeper. He's our security. Do we believe that this morning? I I don't know about you, but for me, when I really have security in that, I can rest well. I don't know if you've ever uh, had your house broken into before. Anyone ever had their house broken into? It is terrifying the second night. It is terrifying to think. It doesn't matter if they broke in in the middle of the day, the morning, or at night. But I remember our house would get broken into quite a bit as a little boy. And I remember thinking, going to bed, man, I better sleep with one eye open. Because there's no telling what's coming in this house. And so I'd sleep, but I wouldn't rest. I would sleep, but I would sleep restlessly. And we have a God that says, no, no. It's what Michelle just saying to us. No, no, come and rest in me because I will always watch over you. I never take a break. I never take a coffee break. I never take a rest break. I never take a five-minute break. I am always watching over you. I neither sleep nor slumber. He is our security. Do we believe that, church? Because if we don't believe that, we will stay awake spiritually, wondering when we're going to get robbed. And God says, no, no. You find rest and rest for your souls and me. You, you see, I believe this with all my heart. If we really believe this, we'd have the cure for anxiety. We don't need Xanax for anxiety. We need the Holy Spirit for our anxiety. But I wonder how many of us are anxious because we don't believe that God is our security. The next thing that we see in this passage is that God is our sentry or our centurion or our, our, our guard, if you will. He says this in verses 5 and 6. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. What does that mean? What does it mean that God is the shade of our right hand? Well, back in their time, the right hand was the dominant hand. The right hand was the hand that they would use their weapon. The, the right hand was the thing that they would fend off the robbers and the thieves. The, the, the right hand was the thing that would use their sword. And what he's saying is, hey, you don't need to use your sword. And if you do, God will give you the strength because he is your ultimate guard. He is your ultimate protector. He will give you what you need even when you don't know you need it. He says that in that first verse. The Lord is the shade to your right hand. A- another way to think of this, I don't know if you've ever been in the heat, but there's no finer place if you're in the heat than the what? Go find shade. And the Lord is saying to you, hey, I'm your security. I am your uh, guard and I guard over you. And even when you need to not sleep but take rest, I'll be your shade 
that gives you refreshment. I will be your warrior. I will be the one that defends you and protects you. I will be the grip of your right hand. He says this, the sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. They believed that the sun and the moon had these uh, uh, religious powers, if you will. They, they, that's where you, you've ever heard the word lunatic? It comes from the word luna, which comes from the word moon. They believed that, that the moon brought the lunatics out. And he's saying, hey, the lunatics, they can't even mess with you because I protect you. I watch over you. Here's another way that as they journeyed, to Jerusalem, all along the way to Jerusalem, uh, it, it says, you can read this in uh, Kings, First Kings, along the way to Jerusalem, people would set up these places that they'd worship other gods. That they'd go along the way and they'd stop along the way, the people that did not believe in Yahweh, and they'd set up altars and idols to worship and to cry out to their God for protection. And so not only did they uh, look to Jerusalem, to their hills, but as they were journeying along the way, they'd see all these other things that said to them, hey, these things will protect you. And what the psalmist is saying this is there is one God and one God only. Who is your help? Is your help all these idols along the way? And you and I may sit here and say, I don't have any idols in my life. Well, we don't set up idols along the way. We don't set up idols in our house. But I ask you this. Where does your help come from? Who keeps you sane? Pornography? Alcohol? Money? A job? Your spouse? Your children? You fill in the blank. You see, we may judge the one that says, hey, I don't set up those kind of idols. But here in our culture, we have a whole lot of other idols that we set up along the way. That we would say, oh, God is our keeper, but if your life was exposed, would your life show that that is what is keeping you? Or all these other idols, all these other God, what you find security in? Do we find security in our job? Do we find security in our relationship? Do we find security See, if we really believe God is our security and that God is our guard, then we will place everything to him. So who is keeping you today? Or better yet, what is keeping you today? What is keeping me today? Where do I find my security in? James Boyce says it this way. To worship the gods of the mountain or any other gods or even the mountains themselves is idolatry. And it is as useless as it is to the wicked. What we need not is gods of nature, but nature's God. We need the creator. We don't need the things that God has created. We need the one who's created those things. Do we worship creation or do we worship creator? The last thing that we see is this. God is our sustainer. God, in keeping us, sustains us. God will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep you from coming out and your, will keep you in your coming out and your going in from this time forth forevermore. Highlight the, the last part of verse 7. The Lord will keep you from all evil. We've just studied God does not always keep us from all evil. 
We saw that with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They went into the fiery furnace. We saw that in Daniel. We see that in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 11. That, that's not what God, if you're coming to God and you think that no evil's ever going to come upon you, do not come to God, please. Please. Like you are going to, if, if the most righteous man to ever walk the planet faced evil and was killed by evil, you better believe you and I are going to face evil. What the passage is talking about is our internal keeping you from evil. It's our sustainer of our eternal soul, not our external bodies. He's talking about your soul. If you really have God as your keeper, he will keep your soul all the way to the end. You cannot go wayward from God, not because you can't, because God keeps you from going wayward from him. Do we believe that this morning? Do do we believe that he keeps your soul? You cannot earn it. You did not deserve it. He's the one that's going to protect you. You cannot protect your own soul. Now, yes, we can do things in our life to enhance those things, meaning that we can pray, we can read the word, we can come in fellowship. But even if all that goes away, you are going to be kept by God, not because of your own merit. There's nothing that you did to earn it. Therefore, if there's nothing that you did to earn it, there's nothing that you can do to get it taken away. Because God says, all of us, the children of God, are in God's hand. And no one can snatch you out of the Father's hand. So if no one can snatch us out of the Father's hand, therefore I can't snatch myself out of the Father's hand, logically speaking, correct? God is our keeper. He sustains us. He keeps our soul. One more quote from Spurgeon. He says this. The Lord will persevere thee from all evil. He shall persevere thy soul. Or Jehovah will keep thy soul. Soul keeping is the soul of keeping. It is the soul to be kept and all is kept. The, the preservation of the greater includes that of the less. So much so so less so far as the essential of all the main design the kernel shall be preserved that's our soul that's our heart and in order that uh there too the shell shall be preserved also god is the soul keeper of the soul our soul is kept from the dominion of sin the infection of error the crush of despondency the puffing of a pride that kept from the world, the flesh, the, the, the devil, kept for holier and greater things, kept in the love of God, kept upon the eternal kingdom and glory of God. What can harm the soul that is kept of the Lord? That's a lot. Let that quote soak in. If you are kept and your soul is kept by the Lord, nothing can harm us let's flip over to romans chapter 8 it's one of my favorite passages in the bible it says this in verse 37 knowing all these things We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 
or him who kept us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So this morning I asked you this thing in closing. How do you relate to God? As your keeper or your helper? How do you relate to God? Do you see Him as convenient or do you see Him as consistent? This morning I'd ask you this one question before we come to the Lord's table, to the Lord's Supper. Which hill do you look to? Which hills do you look to? Which gods on those hills do you look to? Or church, this morning, do you look to the hill of Calvary? Do you look to that God on that hill as your keeper, your sustainer, your guard, your security? You see, we're going to come this morning, we're going to take uh, the, the bread and the juice as a reminder that God is our keeper and the way that he has kept us is through his son jesus christ and what it means for us to have a god that sent his son to redeem us by dying on a cross for us that is the only way to be kept you cannot keep yourselves the only way to be kept is to place your faith your hope your trust in the risen savior jesus christ and so church this morning as we come into this series as we come into this Summer, the question has to be asked before we go any farther. Is God your helper or is God your keeper? Pastor Chapel, is God our helper or is God our keeper? Let us pray. God, I pray that you would be, uh, yes, God, our keeper. And because you are our keeper, you are our helper, but not vice versa. God, I I pray for anyone in here this morning, God, that needs to come to you to find rest, that they'd find rest for your souls because, God, you are keeping watch over them. God, if there's anyone here that's not placed their hope and faith and trust in you as the keeper of their soul, I pray that you would stir in them through your Holy Spirit this morning, that you would awaken their eyes of their heart as you tell us in Ephesians, that their eyes of their heart will become alive to the truths of you being the keeper of their soul. God, I pray if there's anyone in here that works tirelessly at keeping their soul, that this morning they would hear and realize they don't have to do the work. The work has been done for us through the finished work of your son Jesus on the cross. And because of that finished work, he does the ongoing work of preserving our lives, our souls. God, I pray as the church, house chapel, you would be our keeper. God, I pray for us this summer as we journey through the book of Psalms, God, to look at you, that we would taste and see that you are good, that we'd lift our eyes to the mountain, the mountain, you. As you say, where does our help come from? Where does our help come from? I lift my eyes to the hills. 
Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He keeps you and will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is the shade of your right hand. The moon shall not strike you by day and the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your coming out and your going in from this time forth and forevermore. God, I pray that you are our keeper. I pray this morning as we come to this table that God, you would remind us over and over because of that finished work, you keep our souls. I pray this in the mighty name of Christ Jesus. I'd ask that as you